and welcome to the Dietitian Cafe, brought to you by Nualtra, the innovative medical nutrition company dedicated to improving patients' lives through specialised and affordable supplements. My name is Corin, and I'm a registered dietitian and marketing specialist at HRS Communications. We invite you to drop into the Dietitian Cafe as we discuss the latest nutrition trends, topics, and research. However, before I start, can I ask you a huge favour? If you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd be super grateful if you could press that follow button. More subscribers means more exciting guests and more interesting conversations for you, our listeners. Thank you. So join me for today's interview episode, where I'm delighted to be chatting to Ellie Bain, Senior Nutritionist at Gusto. We'll be hearing from Ellie about what it's like to be a registered dietitian in the food industry. Welcome, Ellie. I'll hand over to you to introduce yourself. Thanks, Corinne. Um, so yeah, I'm Ellie. I am senior nutrition at Gusto. Um, so after studying nutrition and dietetics, I always had the intention of working in the food industry rather than a clinical route. I'm a foodie and I love to cook and I just really want to make it easier for everyone to eat healthier. Thanks so much, Ellie. Let's get started with a few quick via questions to get to know you a little better. Number one, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I'm in London and I love London, but I definitely wouldn't say no to being somewhere a little bit warmer and maybe by the sea. Yes, love that. I My goal is to live near the sea one day. We can make it happen. <laughs> um, are you a savoury or sweet food kind of person? That's so hard. Um, but if I could only have one for the rest of my life, I'd have to say savoury. Nice. And who or what is inspiring you at the moment? I'm really inspired by the work of the Food Foundation at the moment, especially with everything going on in the cost of living crisis, hitting individuals and families and those most in need the hardest, the work they're doing to raise awareness of these huge inequalities and lobbying for a better, healthier, more sustainable and fairer food system is so inspiring. I love seeing the impact that they're having. Amazing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that one. So let's move on to the episode questions. I'm sure most of our listeners will be aware of Gusto and its delicious food, and they may have even used the boxes themselves. But just for some context, could you please give us a quick overview of what Gusto does? Of course. Um, so Gusto is a recipe box company. Um, so we have a menu of over 80 different recipes uh, for customers to choose from, and then we'll send them all of the ingredients pre-portioned for them to cook at home. And does Gusto have a large nutrition team? So it's just me, um, but the whole company purpose is about having a positive impact on people and the planet. So though I lead it, I've got the support from teams all around the business to be trying to do some more nutrition and health work. Amazing. And does the company actually place a high value on nutrition? Yeah, it really does. It's a huge part of our purpose. Um, and we know that our customers choose us as a healthier option, um, getting them cooking from scratch, reducing takeaways and convenience foods and getting to eat more variety. Um, so we know we have that responsibility to meet that expectation. Cool. And when you were initially looking for jobs, you know, what, why why Gusto? What drew you to, to Gusto as a company? So I became a dietitian because I wanted to make it easier for everyone to eat healthier um, and I truly believe that cooking is a key part of that. 
it's not going to solve all the problems in our food system, but having those skills to cook a nutrition me- n- nutritious meal is so important. And Gusto really aligns with that purpose for me. Amazing. I have actually tried Gusto uh, meals before and I think they're so tasty. So it's like great to be speaking to someone behind the scenes. So yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> uh, so you're currently the senior nutritionist at Gusto. Can you please talk us through what that role actually involves? Yeah, so um, as it's just me focusing on everything from I cover I cover everything from kind of the day to day nutritional analysis to setting our longer term strategy. I work with the recipe development team to help them develop recipes within our nutrition guidelines and coming up with healthy new ranges. I work with the buying team and our suppliers on reformulating our ingredients to make them healthier, such as reducing salt. Um, I work with our brand marketing team on health claims, PR, any campaigns that we're doing, work with our digital product and tech teams on how we can surface the right information on the menu um, for our customers and help nudge them towards healthier choices. And then within my team, we're looking much more longer term and what our proposition could look like in the next 10 years or so. So that includes staying up to date with market research, nutrition trends, working with our insights and analytics teams to understand what our customers want and their purchasing behavior, then kind of writing all this into business cases and pitching it to senior leadership to make some changes. Sounds like such a varied role. So interesting. And you did do a video with the BDA recently for Dietitians Week, um, showcasing what a typical day looks like. But for those that maybe haven't seen that video, can you maybe talk us through what a typical day might be for you? Every day is so different. Um, It often starts with a meeting. Um, There's a fair few meetings discussing different projects with different teams. There'll be some downtime um, in some spreadsheets doing some nutritional analysis. There'll be chats with different members of the team, depending on different projects. There'll be ad hoc requests from recipe developers for some support to make, make, ensure that they can hit their targets or to ask if they can have a little exception for a recipe to do something a little bit more indulgent. yeah, it's super, super varied. Um, do you get to do a lot of tasting the food? That's what I always think about with Gusakovs. It's such such delicious, you know, meals. Like, do you tend to eat a lot of the meals that they create? It depends. If you're in the right place at the right time, you might get a mouthful. If you head down to the, the recipe development kitchen, they're always cooking things up um, and, the, and tasting everything that they cook to make sure that it's up to scratch for our customers. And then if you're in the office, you get it. We have a Slack channel for free food. So they always cook two portions of every recipe, one for the recipe developers to taste and the other one they put on the free food channel for someone to have for lunch. So you might get lucky to have a nice, tasty, freshly cooked lunch. What a dream. That sounds unreal. So going back to kind of your day and, you know, all the variety that's involved um, in your role, what would you say are kind of the key skills that dietitians could have um, that they could potentially utilize in an industry setting? I think the obvious one being the expert in nutrition, there's a reason why you're in the industry that you're in. um, And our knowledge is so invaluable to businesses to be able to make a real positive difference. And so it's important to stay on top of that nutrition research and um, and all the trends and stay up to date with like carving out time to stay up to date with all research and trends, uh, not just for CPD, but to feel confident that you are the expert and really translate that to 
to the rest of the business and make sure that you are the expert and yeah yeah it's just being confident that 100%. ultimately yeah yeah you're the expert in that field um which is really validating so yeah that's that's great advice and over the last six years you've obviously worked your way up at gusto and held a number of different roles can you talk us through your journey to where you are now um and are we right in thinking that you started as a kitchen assistant Yes, that's right. I can't believe it's been six years because, as you say, the the roles have been so different over that time and the business has changed so much over that time. Um, So, yeah, the kitchen assistant role was an internship um, in the recipe development team. I was packing test cooking bags, um, ordering ingredients, doing food shopping, generally keeping the kitchen running smoothly uh, for the recipe developers, whilst also learning the ropes of recipe development. So fully in amongst it all. And then got into the role of recipe developer and was kind of initially just developing all kinds of recipes, um, which then and then started to kind of focus on more healthier ranges. And during that time, I realized no one was really thinking about the nutritional content of our recipes. We just wanted them all to be as delicious as possible, which led to them often being unhealthier than we might have liked or our customers might have expected and high in salt. Um, so that kind of led to my kind of first nutrition work stream that I did, which was reducing salt in all of our recipes. And then kind of as the company's grown and we've needed to be more responsible and acknowledged how important health is to our customers, as well as us as a business, um, we needed someone to be looking at nutrition full time. Um, so I've taken that on. And just what you said there about um, customers' expectations, do you think that customers do expect meals to be healthier now? I think they expect there to be the options for healthier things. And I think we have a responsibility to be giving the options and not being, not doing any harm. So we kind of have baseline standards that we set to all, for all recipes, even our really indulgent ones. We want, it's all about balance and we want our customers to have delicious, less healthy, more indulgent meals as well. Um, and thinking about your meals across the week, you might want, a quick and healthy stir fry on a Monday night, but you might want a burger on Saturday. And we think like yeah. as long as we've got the balance across all of the menu, then we're happy. Balance, that is the number one word, isn't it? Used by dietitians. Every or actually moderation, everything in moderation. I feel like all dietitians say that phrase as well. But yeah, <laughs> that's interesting to know. Thank you. So um your career has progressed in you know so much in the past six years and you've obviously had an amazing um built an amazing experience in the food industry what's your dream sort of career looking like in the next six years yeah so there's lots of exciting stuff happening at gusto but alongside my role i'm also doing a master's in food policy so do that part-time alongside my my role um, and I'd love to be able to put that into action to have a wider impact and help shape our food system, be able to help even more people eat healthier, especially those that need it the most. Sounds good. I uh, can't wait to see that journey unfold. Sounds amazing. And your professional dietetics journey has always been in a non-clinical environment, which is a bit similar to myself, to be honest. And was that always your plan? It was. And I know that's definitely not the norm for most dietitians, um, but I knew I wanted to get the accreditation of being a dietitian and to learn all of the amazing skills that dietitians have. Uh, but as a real foodie, I wanted to be close to food and looking more kind of prevention than treatment and looking after people once they were already in a clinical environment. So food industry felt like quite a natural fit for me. 
Yeah. I was in the NHS for about a year, um, but always knew I wanted to work in the food industry. And I don't know if you maybe are the same, but I just love the thought of being able to impact, you know, hundreds of thousands of people through a decision that potentially we could make working at a food company and having that influence. Definitely. And did you feel any pressure to work clinically? I did a little, um, but mainly because it's hard to know what the options are outside of clinical roles. So all my placements were really clinical. The course was very focused on clinical roles. So I did feel like a bit of an anomaly on my course for wanting to do something different. And at the time, not really knowing what the options were or what that would look like when mm-hmm. everyone else it's so clear what a dietitian in a, in a clinical role can do. Yeah, I think back in the day, there maybe was a little bit of a misconception that if you worked in a non-clinical role, you were sort of moving to the dark side, as I've heard about a hundred times, which is definitely not the case. And I think really we need to be emphasizing the diversity of the role that you can actually do both. You know, many of us dietitians work in industry and also still do a little bit of clinical. It's about having that flexibility, which I think a career in dietetics definitely provides. But you and I are obviously on the industry specialist group um, committee, which we'll be talking about um, in a minute. And hopefully that we're going to be addressing some of those challenges. So yeah, it's interesting to hear your experience. And w- what would you say is your favorite part then of working in industry? What do you enjoy the most? It's probably a bit of a cliche, but every day is so different. And I really love that. And I think every day we're kind of working to making a positive change and um, so even if small progress it's progress and every day we're working towards having a positive impact and working with a team that have, are all on the same mission to be able to do that and I think that's yeah it's a really nice feeling to be able to have a positive impact and be changing people's diets. And when it comes to your achievements which I'm sure there have been many um, what would you say are your biggest ones are there any that stand out to you? I think the biggest ones are those ones where you really see you've had a positive impact. Um, so one work stream that I did was to um, secure some investment to add more veg to our recipes. Um, so it was a, a lot of work to scope out how much money we needed, where we were going to put the money, how we were going to make that work in our recipes, um, working really cross-functionally across like our menu planning teams and the recipe development teams to work and work out which veg we were going to put in and to make sure that we were adding variety and not just five a day portions um, and then delivering that work and then seeing really positive feedback from customers. And when you decided to do that, was that something that came from consumers requesting it or was it more that you kind of knew that you had a responsibility to do the right thing? It was a bit of both. Um, For me personally, I wanted to do it. And then we also saw from customers that they were asking for more veg. Um, So it kind of, yeah, we put the two together using the evidence of why veg is so important to build a business case and then having the information from our customers for why they want more veg and where, especially types of recipes where they were seeing they didn't have enough veg and being able to use those ones as good examples of ones that we could make a real difference to. That's like a perfect crossover right there of nutrition and, and business and kind of commercial experience then bringing in that scientific expertise. That must have been a really fun project to work on. Yeah, for sure. So I've no doubt there've been lots of challenges along the way, um, as there are with any role, but what have been the biggest challenges that you face along your career journey? One that is an ongoing challenge, um, but 
as dietitians, we obviously know that nutrition is really important, but it doesn't always mean that all of our stakeholders agree. Um, so it can be hard to get our agenda prioritized into the wider company objectives. Often cost more money. Customers haven't necessarily asked for it and they might not even like it or want it. For example, salt reduction, things like that. Um, so it's so important to be evidence-based and translating this into something that everyone can understand and really get people on board with it. Um, I think like communication skills and being able to negotiate and compromise where necessary, making progress, even if it's not as extreme progress as you might have initially set out to do, but you've got everyone on board and incremental steps to, to make the change. Um, yeah. And making sure that everyone can see the value above and beyond the impact on the bottom line and yeah, gradual steps to positive progress. And then kind of from a career angle, um, because Gusto was a relatively new company when I joined, and I suppose it still is, there wasn't really a clear career path. Um, so where I've got to now, I've kind of managed to carve that out, but it's really required knowing what I want and being able to ask for it, which is not really in my nature. So I'm lucky that Gusto puts a lot of emphasis on personal development, and that makes it easier, but definitely a few slightly uncomfortable conversations to ask for what you want. Yes, as you were talking, I was literally thinking these are fantastic skills to have. How did you learn those? Or how did you go about getting experience to be able to implement some of these skills that you were just talking about there? Did you have a mentor at work or did you sort of, you know, outsource maybe some other experiences or some other support outside work? How did you learn how to use those skills and how to develop them? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting kind of looking back on my early, early career and when the, the business was smaller and you could just be like, right, I want to do this today. Let's cut salt in half in these recipes. And we would just do it. And because the business was small, you kind of spoke to your team, told like, and then everyone was kind of on board with it. And then as things have changed and it's become a much more structured organization and we know that we need to work, work cross-functionally and make sure that everyone's on board with it and that we're doing the right things at the right times. And like everything's building towards the, the customer experience. I've definitely experienced more challenges of trying to change things. And I think I was so naive back when I just, we suddenly decided to make a change that there was a lot of learning. And I think for me, it was really reaching out and like building a network across the industry because as a dietitian, nutritionist in industry, you're often the only person in your role. You haven't got someone to talk to or who's automatically on your side you need to get the buy-in from the rest of the business but sometimes you can be a little bit lost and need someone to bounce the ideas off to try to work out how to approach things and what learning different techniques that people have and what's worked and what hasn't worked and um so i've definitely found it really valuable to reach out to people using linkedin so so helpful dietitians are so happy to have a chat with other people um and I have had a few mentors as well, um, quite informal ones, um, but that's also been really helpful to gain outsider perspective from someone with more experience. So you can just say, that doesn't make sense. Like, what, what are you doing there? Like for one example, like our team structure, how we used to be, I used to be embedded within the food team. And then we realized that that wasn't, um, because nutrition is part of our brand. It makes more sense for us for, to be in a, a wider influencing team and therefore ended up in, I'm now in our sustainability team. So kind of setting our 
more longer term strategy, which helps helps all of those decisions to get made and be in the right place at the right time. And going back to your mentor, so I'm a big believer, I'm a big fan of mentors. I think having a mentor is absolutely fantastic and it can completely change the course of your career. And especially in the industry when it does feel as though sometimes the roles are kind of few and far between, probably for a combination of things. One, they're labeled as sometimes as something that's, you know, really abstract and you would never find it on LinkedIn because the title is like medical, scientific, nutrition you know, officer something. Can you, you know, as a student, you just wouldn't search for that. So that's part of the problem. But then obviously, you know, the second thing is that maybe people don't know where to start. And I think that's where a mentor can can come in. Where did you find your mentors? Did you reach out to them? Did did they come up at work? Like, it would be really interesting, I'm sure, for many of our listeners to know how you approach that. Yeah, so I... Firstly, we had an internal mentorship program at Gusto. Um, so had a someone from a completely different department as a mentor, which is really helpful to navigate our particular business. And I would really recommend if you don't have that in your business to suggest it as an idea, because it really does help to have someone who's in your corner and can give you a perspective and have different conversations with them than, than you would your manager. But they also know everything that's going on internally and the, the structure and how things work. Um, so that's definitely really helpful. And then, yeah, my other ones, literally from sending messages on LinkedIn, asking people if they're up for a chat, and then some of those chats become monthly chats and more regular. And yeah, like definitely reach out on LinkedIn. You'd be surprised people come back to you. Yeah, sometimes just showing a bit of um, enthusiasm and offering to take them for a coffee or, you know, have a catch up just approaching it really informally is actually the best way to do it because most people do just kind of want to help others I've found that a lot which is really lovely and I think for me I found like sometimes having something really specific that I was focusing on Mm. for example like a new policy or something like that it gives you a an opening to the conversation and then if you get on well you can learn from them all about how they've started up a policy learn from them and then it kind of starts a relationship and then you can build on that if you get on well and you think that that you can get more out of them and vice versa it works both ways definitely and I think some of the old school tricks in terms of doing your research and if you found this as well Ellie but kind of spending five or ten minutes researching what their role you know have they got any post on LinkedIn that you can relate to is there something that they've written about that you could maybe use as a hook and say you know I really loved it when you did this I found it really interesting um, and then personalize the message because I think people are so people want to talk to people at the end of the day and if you are friendly and, and interested in what they're doing that just makes it opens up the conversation you know so much easier so I, I would definitely if you've you I'm sure you're probably agree with this but you know personalize and personalize the invitation the the message and um, not use like a standard template like actually really think about who you're talking to definitely yeah great so on the topic of support within the industry as some of our listeners will know the british dietetic association industry specialist group has recently launched so both of us are on the committee and it's been so lovely to work with you on this Um, But you are the lovely social media officer and you've been managing our LinkedIn and Twitter and doing a fantastic job um, in terms of posting content and connecting with some dietitians that are interested online. Could you tell us a bit more about the group and its purpose, as well as, you know, what your role involves and um, what you most enjoy about it? 
Yeah, so um, it's a great space for all dietitians in industry. We've really got an emphasis on building networks and getting peer support from other dietitians in the industry, as I've already talked about how much that has helped me, um, as well as helping people with their career development and CPD, helping to keep up to date with policy and resources. Um, We're also planning work with universities to help show students the non-clinical side of dietitians and how many options there are available to us as dietitians. Um, and then as my role in my role as social media officer, it's kind of getting that out there, making sure people are aware of what we're doing, um, what we're up to, um, sharing industry updates and getting like policy changes and things like that and making sure that our community are aware of what's going on. Um, you can find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Amazing. And are there any kind of learnings that you've had from being social media officer? Yes, I think a big one for me is that I haven't been historically very social media savvy. Um, so it's definitely helped me develop new skills and making me put myself out there online, even though it's not me, it's behind the scenes, it's me. Um, but it's such a good experience to be able to just, just post things and have a reason to to get your voice in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, do you think that that's the main reason why dietitians should be on social media? Because it's it wasn't always, I'd say, you know, uh, a primary thing for dietitians to be online but now I feel like it is to be you know either have a LinkedIn or a Twitter or an Instagram you know whatever it is that people prefer do you think it's quite important now for dietitians especially those working in industry and obviously clinical dietitians to be online? I think it is I mean there's so much conversation happening online and I think I mean one thing that I'm quite passionate about that I definitely don't do enough about but is like all of the misinformation that is on on social media and how much of an influence dietitians could be having to help change that and make sure that the information available is evidence-based and it's helping people rather than ending up in these fatty diets that we see so much of. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, that's a huge opportunity for dietitians as well as like meeting new people and having these really interesting conversations like nutrition is difficult and there's new research coming out all of the time and it's such a great place to hear what other people are talking about and their different perspectives on things I think yeah it's definitely a useful place to be yeah and I've seen some of the clinical groups you know doing some amazing work like some of the um I really like the sports exercise nutrition specialist group and the content they do the oncology specialist group is brilliant as well and there's just so many it's really lovely to see how different professions and different backgrounds of dietitians are using social media in different ways. So I've definitely enjoyed seeing, you know, the posts that are of the groups kind of connecting online on social media and stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good tool to use and we're still very much in early days. So um, watch this space for all the, all the listeners. Um, I mean, in terms of the group, why did you, want to take on the role like what were the benefits of volunteering with the BDA I was so keen to be part of the group um as soon as I heard about it um especially for the network as I mentioned um I got so much out of joining the nutritionist and industry group when I was first trying to find peers in the industry that I could talk to and it's yeah. just more opportunities to connect and support each other through our experiences um and also the opportunity to support students and yeah, carve out an industry career path when it doesn't necessarily seem like the most obvious route. Um, and then benefits of volunteering and taking on the role. It's yeah, definitely the lovely committee that we work with is so great and um, learning from them. 
and then definitely developing new skills I mentioned like getting on more on social media and yeah doing more in that space brilliant now just before we wrap up we'd love to hear your advice for listeners for those working as dietitians in industry what would your piece of advice be network 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 um the i've talked a lot about it during this interview already um it helps so much you can learn so much from other people um and jobs in the food industry are few and far between um but you can learn so much from others if you're not in your dream job you can be learning what what other things you should be doing and what you could be focusing on and what opportunities come up you might hear about them sooner um as well as also building a network internally which can really help you to influence others and have a positive impact in your industry um so yeah building it up build up that network get out on linkedin send a message to everyone that you think is interesting and has got a cool job it's always good to talk. hundred percent. So good to put yourself out there. It's so nerve wracking, isn't it? Approaching someone that you don't know, but you're so right. Networking is such a crucial tool in kind of anyone's career and um, yeah, taking the steps forward to to develop and, and uh, reach out to, to new people. So thank you for that. That was brilliant. I think I was a serial connector on LinkedIn, but would never send a message. And that's changed over the last few years when you realize the reason you connect with these people is because they've got so much valuable information in there and so much valuable experience that just a quick hello and like you up for a chat. And yeah, so much. And also I'd say like not to be disheartened when someone doesn't get back to you because it's actually not personal. And I remember when I first graduated, I think I wrote a list of like nearly under a hundred people just to get in touch with and I didn't get that many replies and I just try to be resilient as possible because if people are so busy it's actually nothing to do with you it's more they're just busy and um, if you really want to speak to them obviously don't be annoying but there is an element of being a little bit persistent and you know send them a message again in a, in a few months you know let them know um, that you'd really like to speak to them and I think after a few times definitely obviously get the message but I think there's a little bit of um yeah just kind of relationship building um that you can do and yeah just don't don't give up which sounds very cliche but it is true just kind of get yourself out there so yeah it's been lovely to hear about your career and and how that's kind of helped you um be the amazing senior nutritionist you are so so a big thank you to ellie for coming onto the podcast today i hope you enjoyed our chat as much as i did a huge thank you to New Outra also for making this podcast possible. And if you enjoyed listening to today's episode, I'd love it if you shared this episode with a friend or colleague who you think would find it interesting. Our next episode of the Dietitian Cafe will be out very soon. But in the meantime, you can check out our previous episodes or head over to our RD2B Dietitian Cafe podcast, where once a month our student dietitian host discusses the world of dietetics with a range of guests, all aimed at aspiring dietitians. And hot off the press we've just appointed the newest host of this podcast so keep an eye out for their first episode coming soon thank you for joining us at the dietitian cafe podcast see you next time